Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Friday, March the 15th. This week, a special themed issue of The Lancet about Iraq. It's a decade since the 2003 military invasion of the country. So, 10 years later, where is Iraq in terms of its health services to its 32 million inhabitants? What are its current health challenges and what are the priorities for the future health of the country? Well, thanks to many experts and authors who have written papers in this issue of The Lancet, hopefully we can begin to answer some of these questions. There's too much content for me to list here. But just to give you an overview, the lead editorial tries to summarise the content and emphasises the need for a sustainable future health strategy for Iraq. There's a research article, and this is looking at the effect of combat in Iraq on military personnel returning from conflict with an associated comment. Also comments about really important health issues in Iraq, such as mental health, massively overlooked, and also disability and rehabilitation. There are two reviews trying to summarise where Iraq is in terms of its health system and what the effects of Iraq's catastrophic conflicts have been on its citizens. Look out for the perspective section. You'll see profiled there, for example, Professor Thema Al-Hilfi. He is a leading academic in Iraq who is trying to modernise Iraq's outdated medical education system. There's correspondence. There's a viewpoint about the plight of the Marsh Arabs in the south of Iraq. But for the podcast, we're indebted to Professor Gilbert Burnham, who is one of the authors on one of two reviews. Gilbert Burnham is Professor of International Health at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore in the United States. He has worked extensively in Iraq. And when I spoke to him earlier, I began by asking him to paint a picture of what life is like on the ground in Iraq. My experience is just limited to the Kurdish area in the north and in Baghdad. And the Kurdish area is much different because there's a lot of energy there, a lot of new construction, a lot of plans. Many of of the leaders there, or commercial leaders, were in exile in Germany and in UK. They're now returning to the Kurdish areas, They're repatriating their money, they're building major commercial and residential projects and so forth. So the sense you get in the north is a lot of energy and kind of the pent-up capacity of the past that uh, couldn't express itself under Saddam and uh, when there was conflict going on. And now it's uh, really making a major change in the environment, whereas in Baghdad, one just gets a feeling that things are more or less on hold and there's not a lot of new expansion and construction and so forth driving through the city looking at the houses looking at the buildings and so forth the hospitals there's uh, quite a bit of resources and so forth have gone into the hospitals but as i mentioned in the paper there's a bit of a mismatch there some of the equipment is there without the skills to operate it and without the maintenance uh, to keep to keep it going not all the equipment that has been purchased or put into place is really priority equipment for that particular facility. There's a ways to go yet before hospitals are fully equipped and fully functional. The overall concern that many of us have had is that this has been a very hospital-oriented system in the past, very clinical-oriented system. So this needs to change in a major way, and there's not yet the policy in place. There's kind of a vision that this is where things want to go. There's a vision that there needs to be more focus on primary health care. There are some tentative steps, but one doesn't sense there's a major commitment to, to move in this way. It's quite easy in Iraq to define the problems. It's more difficult to provide the solutions. It's very well said, and uh, I think that internally that's what we see was, you know, a weak part of the paper here was 
trying to outline a way forward, and it's really not clear on the ground, but there are a couple of things that I think we could say. One of them certainly is there is no clear health strategy for Iraq. There's a national development plan which has a component for uh, the health, but I've been actually working with WHO on a project to try to bring together the uh, various components to produce some type of uh, strategic plan with uh, full participation or leadership of the uh, Iraqis, but encouragement from the WHO. There's really not the plan and not the clear vision in place of where things should go. And this kind of contrasts with with Afghanistan, which had a, a basic package of health services and a pretty clear idea of what they wanted to do within a year or two after the the collapse of the Taliban. And and the ministry in Iraq has just not moved in that direction. It's still kind of looking at the hospitals, looking at the various subsystems, but not an overall vision and mission and not a palpable commitment to that. So would it be fair to say that whatever progress there is, whatever slight or small pockets of progress that are at the moment it's all a bit piecemeal and so therefore not not part of any bold strategic plan yes i think that's fair enough to say there's a lot of piecemeal activity going on and countries have donated funds for various projects there's who money there's eu money there's usaid money and so on it doesn't fit together in a very concise national plan and so i think that's where ministry has to take a bigger responsibility is to put together this national strategic plan and really have the commitment to it. They have the resources. There are, there are the funds there. So it's not a country that's heavily dependent upon uh, external assistance. The role of external assistance in Iraq, and it's really fairly small in, in euro or dollar or whatever terms. There are these substantial projects, but Overall, in the budget of the Ministry of Health, they're not huge. But that's also partly because Ministry of Health is providing basically all the health care in the country. There's only a very small private sector, at least uh, outside the pharmaceutical side of things. And so much of the ministry's funds is consumed in, uh, in salaries, wages, and, uh, and running facilities. So I would say probably in the development side of things, the external assistance is probably contributing a fair amount. I've been working with the USAID project there, and the USAID project is focused very much on the primary health care, and there's not a lot of facility construction and so forth in that. That's all protocols and procedures. But you know, even those basic things, a process of accrediting hospitals, some effective quality control mechanism, credentials for graduates, maintaining a quality of curricula and so forth, all of those things are missing. From your perspective, there isn't a lack of finance within the ministry. No, I think that the funds are there. This is not a country that's strangled because of lack of resources. And it probably, of course, is dependent upon world oil prices, but even the oil industry is still not performing at the level that it could. So the potential for increased revenue is there in the country. All one has to do is look at the information system. And here one sees well into the 21st century in a middle-income country an information system that's almost entirely paper dependent and doesn't have much in the way of analytic capacity at the top. That's, I think, typical of many parts of the system that uh, they continue as they've been in the past without the, the vision and the innovation and the adaptation of international 
methods and approaches that other middle-income countries have done. In terms of the higher management, the political will, the commitment to sorting out the problems, do you think there's still a good chance for them to do that? Or do you just sense that it should have happened by now, given that things started coming down three, four years ago? I think that we also have to remember that Iraq has lost a lot of its skilled planners and managers and administrators and leaders from the top. And this immigration is still going on, although it's much smaller now than it was in the past. Many of the people that had the capacity really just have left the country. What are your hopes for the next 5, 10, 15 years? What I'm hoping is that, uh, first off, there will be the political stability that's uh, necessary for things to move ahead. And there's still a lot of political tensions in the country, uh, and those come out with periodic uh, bombings and uh, attacks and so forth. So. That part of thing needs to be settled first, and once that there's a sense of national political stability, then I think the individual ministries, uh, individual activities can move ahead. What my hope is that uh, the country will develop a realistic strategic health plan and commit to this plan and to, uh, again, as they've said in the past, but we've not seen the major financial commitment, is really focus on primary health care as the basis for the system and move away from this uh, centralized focus on the hospital as the basis of, of health care. I think another major hope is that the, the country will realize that many of the challenges that it's faced now are really public health challenges and uh, not necessarily the uh, immunization and disease treatment priorities that were a problem in the past. There is some progress going on in developing these small primary care centres, aren't they, as the local point of contact for the health service? Yes, there has been good commitment to that. Some of that comes through the donors, some from uh, local sources, some from ministry policy and so forth, but this has moved ahead. I don't think it's moved ahead to the pace that it could have, but there has been substantial progress there. And there's one example of a small governorate that uh, this was a, an entrepreneurial Iraqi doctor in the system who looked at creating a census-based health care so every household within the catchment area facilities was visited, was uh, assessed, demographic uh, information was uh, recorded. Then he created a system with health records on smart cards that uh, clinics could keep track of when immunizations in the household yeah. were due and, and so forth. So that kind of entrepreneurial skills are there, and it's just creating the kind of environment that will allow these uh, things to really blossom. I think in this current climate of uncertainty and maybe with a lack, lack of clear direction, many of these things are, are not being being expressed or not being allowed to, to come to fruition. It sounds like nothing strategic, nothing major is going to happen until the politics is sorted out. I think that's probably the underlying thing. And whatever happens in national politics is also going to affect the politics of the, of the ministries as well, and certainly the Ministry of Health. Are there any short-term easy wins, do you think, that Iraq can do? I can see that there's um, some really good, good short-term uh, wins available. And one of them is in the information system, not only to, uh, to strengthen the information at the point of collection and uh, the, then the transmission process, which could be fairly easily converted to electronic transmission, but also increase the analysis at the top so that uh, these data will be an effective evidence producer for development of policy. One of the things that Iraq has had has been a fairly good uh, 
reporting system for hospital deaths. We've looked at this, and it's working reasonably well, although there's a lot of places to tighten it up. And tightening up the information system could go a long ways to help set national priorities and to locate areas that need intervention and to track some of the plans and programs and policies that have been put into place. So I think that's one. Another area that's a fairly easy win is reducing maternal mortality. There's a lot of argument going on now exactly what the maternal mortality ratio is between uh, WHO and UNICEF and Ministry of Health and so forth. But everybody sees this as a priority. And uh, looking at the causes of uh, deaths that occurred in a sample of hospitals that we did, that we reviewed in a, in a study, suggests that tightening up many of the protocols and procedures could produce a substantial decrease in maternal deaths at the uh, primary and secondary uh, hospital levels. Many thanks again to Gilbert Burnham and to all the authors of all the papers in this special Iraq-themed issue of The Lancet. Thanks for listening. See you next time.